The gradual reopening of Virginia to more in-person commercial activity may be slower in Northern Virginia due to higher rates of COVID-19 there. Leaders there have urged Governor Ralph Northam to proceed slowly. I asked them to send us a formal letter outlining that they are unified in requesting a delay. This is the Charlottesville Quarantine Report going out on the morning of May 13th, 2020. I'm Sean Tubbs, the creator of the Charlottesville Podcasting Network. Today we also hear from two doctors at the University of Virginia. One of them is Dr. Tyson Bell. North Virginia is still a hotspot and COVID is not like it's going to stay within Northern Virginia and say, you know what? The rest of you guys are opening up. I'm going to stay here in Northern Virginia. Thank you very much. It doesn't act like that. Today, we're going to get right into Governor Ralph Northam's press conference from May 11th, 2020. There's a lot of information here that will soon be out of date, so I want to move the production along. Usually, I like to put a brief information update here, but I've not had time to gather anything. You can help me by sending a public service announcement that you would like to get out to wordcast at gmail.com. I'm looking for 45-second lines about something that your organization is trying to get people to know about. That's kind of the point of this show, to get information to people. But now, we are past the two-month mark since the COVID-19 pandemic was declared. Later on in the show, we're going to hear from Dr. Cameron Webb and Dr. Tyson Bell, two doctors at the University of Virginia. Dr. Bell and Dr. Webb will have a few responses about what you're about to hear from Governor Ralph Northam. The big question heading into Monday's press conference was whether Virginia has hit the thresholds required to enter into phase one of the Forward Virginia plan. The governor went through a series of slides with information from the Virginia Department of Health. Both the number of tests and the average of tests performed have both largely been trending upward. There are some dips where we have tested fewer people on the day, but overall this shows that we are doing more testing. One of the main metrics that the Northam administration is using is the percentage of positive tests for COVID-19. I have said I want a 14-day downward trend in the percent of positivity, and that is what we continue to see. The number of hospitals reporting shortages of PPE supplies has also decreased. Our hospitals are currently reporting that they have capacity, and we will watch that now that hospitals are doing more elective surgeries than in the past. Northam said Virginia has to hit the established metrics before the next phase can begin. More details are going to come out on Wednesday. That's today. But here's how the governor explains how we're not going to quite enter phase one on Friday. Not all over the state, at least. I also recognize that we live in a diverse commonwealth and different regions face different challenges. That's why the phase one restrictions are a floor, but not a ceiling. While no region may move faster to ease restrictions, we're open to some regions moving more slowly. I have been speaking regularly with officials in Northern Virginia about this very issue. I asked them to send us a formal letter outlining that they are unified in requesting a delay. Uniformity across the region is critical to a successful strategy rather than having restrictions piecemeal across towns or counties. Northam then explained how the metrics in Northern Virginia are different from the rest of the state. As we've said repeatedly, the number of cases alone doesn't give us an accurate picture of the disease. 
but we can make some comparisons across regions. And Northern Virginia consistently has a significant portion of our cases statewide. In the past 24 hours, for example, Northern Virginia reported more than 700 cases. The rest of Virginia reported fewer than 300. Northam said that about 25% of tests in Northern Virginia are coming back positive for COVID-19. That number is about 10% for the rest of Virginia. Officials from Northern Virginia will be at Wednesday's press briefing, and we'll hear more about these details. For opening to work, there needs to be more testing. Dr. Janice Underwood is Virginia's chief diversity officer. She described Monday how the Health Equity Task Force is working to ensure that testing is getting to everyone in Virginia. One of the priorities of the Equity Task Force is to collaborate with local governments to provide support to vulnerable communities because we know that everyone does not enjoy the same privileges for social or physical distancing or receive information the same way. Therefore, the task force provides localities access to health equity training for all city employees and volunteers, personal protective equipment or PPE, culturally appropriate educational materials to support diverse communities, and and those materials are in all languages identified as being needed, and support in identifying neighborhoods at elevated risk with mapping technology. One of the details that we might hear today is that Northam said he would announce a partnership that would expand testing through retail stores throughout Virginia. He didn't offer further details. Many reporters have commented that Virginia has ranked low in the 50 states in data collected and presented by the Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Karen Remley heads a working group set up in mid-April to increase testing capacity in Virginia. She said that metric may not be useful as an indicator of how well the state is doing. The Johns Hopkins is a cumulative amount of test, so we will never catch up unless we inappropriately just tested everybody in the state, which wouldn't give us information that would help with public health. So if you look at what do we need to know for public health, the 10,000 was looking at about 3% of the population. If you look at 2 to 4%, you know, 2% is around 5,500 a day, 4% is a little bit more than 10,000. That's when The best models, the best people that inform Dr. Peek and Dr. Oliver and the governor say that's where you need to be with testing writ large for the state to be able to make good decisions about opening up, about health care needs and where we're going to go. 10,000 tests is a very small percentage of 8.5 million. That's the total number of Virginians. Dr. Remley said the health team has coordinated to use tests strategically across the Commonwealth. But also, as we have more testing capacity by being able to deploy our medical reserve corps, our guard, our health department's test kits and capacity are no longer an issue. So they're identifying different groups around the state, faith-based organizations, community centers, places they can go, they know their communities really well, and test there. In the next coming days, I think we'll be able to share with you how we're doing, because it's all continuous quality improvement, right, for all of us, how are we doing in every district? So we know we're testing more in Northern Virginia, as the governor said, because there's a lot of disease in Northern Virginia. But we want to assure people across the state that we're doing enough testing in their zip code, in their districts, so they can be reassured that the number of cases represent what the disease looks like in that community. To me, that's our end state. And if we can reassure everybody in the state that their area, we know how much disease there is there, we know how to take care of that, we know what the healthcare system can do, we know what public health has to do, 
then we've reached the right numbers. Will we ever be at the top of the list for Johns Hopkins? I don't think it's an attainable goal and not one we should work for. We should be working for getting the right public health information to the governor and all of the leaders so they can make the important decisions they need to make. While some parts of the state, Northern Virginia, may not enter into phase one, others in parts of the state where there has not been yet as much COVID-19 has asked to be able to move quicker. There's a lot of emails going back and forth trying to get the economy to open, despite community health folks saying maybe that's not a good idea just yet. For some perspective on some of this tension, let's hear from Clark Mercer, Governor Northam's chief of staff. You know, we talk a lot about how the virus does not obey uh, political borders, and I think the governor articulated we're next to Maryland and D.C. We're also border Tennessee, West Virginia, and Kentucky. And you look at all those states, and they're all doing something a little bit different with their phase one. So, for example, a lot has been written about Bristol. Half of Bristol's in Tennessee, half is in Virginia. So we've got that issue of folks migrating to different areas all across the Commonwealth. What makes, I think, uh, Northern Virginia unique, Fairfax County alone is bigger than eight states in the country. And that's, that's pretty remarkable when you think about that. And the five jurisdictions that sent the governor a letter this weekend was Fairfax County, Prince William, Alexandria, Arlington, and Loudoun. And then there are some cities and towns within those jurisdictions that followed up with a follow-up letter. Um, those five jurisdictions yesterday accounted for 719 new positive tests. That's 73% of all the new tests in the Commonwealth. The rest of Virginia accounted for 270, or 27%. Um, the rest of Virginia accounts for 60% of the population. So it's, it's gotten to the point where if you step back and look at the Commonwealth as as a set of regions that outside of Northern Virginia has, has hit those metrics. And I think a responsible phase one approach, uh, which is what the governor has articulated, is gonna keep somebody from Alexandria to drive to Southwest Virginia to avail themselves of outdoor dining or a haircut. It's not like we're flipping the light switch and throwing everything open right away. And Under phase one, restaurants will be able to open for outdoor dining for about 50% of the capacity but indoor service is not allowed yet. One reporter asked if that was contradictory, given that non-essential retail would be able to open their doors to customers. Northam reminded the reporter that this is just one of three phases of a gradual reopening. Um, we are hopeful uh, that, uh, that phase one will last no more than, than two to three weeks. And, and a lot of the decision on the restaurants was, it, it falls back to people being comfortable. Uh, going into that restaurant, knowing that they're um, going to be safe, um, and also for employees of restaurants. So, so a lot of the, the discussion that we had with our business task group uh, included restaurant owners. And again, I would just have, tell everybody uh, across Virginia uh, that uh, this is for two to three weeks. Uh, they are allowed to, to serve outdoors at 50% capacity. Um, it, I think it will allow for individuals to get back into those restaurants to be comfortable. And if everything goes well over those two to three weeks, then we will hopefully uh, our phase two will, will be indoor dining uh, at 50% capacity, uh, no standing at bars, uh, tables six feet apart. Uh, all of these have been recommendations that have come through the, the business task group. Locally, some restaurants have decided not to open at this time, citing safety concerns. I'm interested to hear who is doing what and would like to hear from anybody who'd like to talk. Mercer said Northern Virginia might not begin phase one this Friday, giving time to help address concerns there. When you take Northern Virginia 
out of the mix if they are permitted and allowed to not enter phase one this Friday, when you look at our contact tracers and our testing for the rest of the, the Commonwealth, I think we're more than ready for the rest of the Commonwealth to enter phase one. Where we're going to have to really ramp up some of our contact tracing is where we have the preponderance of positive tests, which is in Northern Virginia. So it stands to reason that if they are delayed by a week or two weeks or several weeks, then we do have a bit of a cushion to get the tracers in Northern Virginia and ready when they are ready to enter phase one. Later on today, Governor Northam will have more details on phase one. Let's capture what he said at the end of his press conference on Monday, May 11th. We are going into phase one because we have been following the science, we've been following the data. Uh, a lot of that, uh, those guidelines have come from the, the CDC, um, and we have talked about those a lot, and so we feel that we're at a place where we can safely uh, go into phase one in, in most areas of Virginia. Obviously, Northern Virginia uh, is an exception. Um, but the other reason that we can go into phase one is because we have the tools now that we didn't have a month or two months ago. We, we have the tools to include more testing. As, as you've seen, we're close to 10,000 tests a day. Um, we have the tools that we're working toward better tracing, uh, not just in, in the hot zones, but in all of Virginia. So, so I wouldn't be making the decision uh, along. I've got a lot of folks that help make these decisions, but I wouldn't make it unless we had those tools to make sure that you're safe. You're listening to the Charlottesville Quarantine Report for May 13th, 2020. Dr. Cameron Bell at the University of Virginia holds a weekly Facebook Live session with Dr. Tyson Bell. They did another session on Monday, shortly after Governor Northam's press conference. Let's hear some of what they had to say. First question that's coming in is just, um, how do we regard the metrics upon, upon which a reopening is being based? How do we feel about that? Yeah, so um, testing is definitely on my mind. And um, this uh, announcement from Governor Northam today um, about the reopening, it was really interesting because he kind of parsed out uh, two different uh, realities of the state, that Northern Virginia is in a very different situation than the rest of the state, um, that the testing is uh, still not adequate compared to where they need to be, that their case volume is still going up, that they still have a good proportion of patients that are hospitalized with COVID compared to the rest of the state. And for that reason, uh, elected leaders in Northern Virginia actually petitioned to delay the phase one reopening, so to speak. So they're not going to open uh, with the rest of the state on Friday, as was the original plan. And that introduces a lot of different talking points. Earlier in the show, you heard Governor Northam state that Northern Virginia has by far the highest number of positive COVID-19 tests in the Commonwealth. Dr. Bell is skeptical about opening up different parts of the state using different rules. Um, the rest of the state seems to be more in line with that 10% target, but Northern Virginia still seems to be a, a, a hot spot. Uh, so based on the fact that we need to do more testing, that Northern Virginia is still a hot spot and COVID is not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's going to stay within Northern Virginia and say, you know what? The rest of you guys are opening up. I'm going to stay here in Northern Virginia. Thank you very much. It doesn't act like that. And we have a state where people are going through many different areas 
um, uh, throughout the day. Uh, Dr. Webb can attest you crisscross all around Virginia. It's not hard to get to different places in Virginia. And one thing that we've learned is that if you relax um, your guidelines, there are people that are going to cross that line and do even more um, you know, what they're not supposed to do. Um, so I don't... Um, I don't like this strategy of opening up um, one area of the state and restricting one another area of the state. I'm not pleased that it had to be the leaders of Northern Virginia who had to actually petition to keep their state or their their portion of the state relatively closed. And I'm overall worried that we haven't gotten to the capacity that public health experts have recommended in order for us to be able to aggressively test, isolate, and contact trace. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with just the idea that if we create matri metrics that are rooted in public health, we need to stick to those metrics, right? And I think that part of the challenge is there's a tremendous political pressure right now to reopen. And then what you've seen across the country is we've got now more than 30 states. I think there are only 15 states left that haven't reopened to some extent, and Virginia is one of them. And I think because we've had, we have this pressure from all over the, the nation that, hey, states are, are starting to, to relax and maybe we should too. I think that puts the governor in a tough spot because he had these metrics that he wanted to go by, but a lot of peer states are, are going ahead and opening up. I think this is where, you know, I really hope that he's leaning into his own experience as a physician and his own acknowledgement of the science. And I think we've said this for the last two weeks, Dr. Bell. We've said that it's going to come down to if he has the the boldness, the temerity to, if those metrics aren't being met, to say, we're not opening up yet. Stay tuned and see what happens today at today's press conference. I highly recommend taking a listen to Dr. Bell and Dr. Webb's next Facebook Live session. That's next Monday, May 18th at 7 o'clock. There's so much in this discussion, they're one from Monday, that I can't get to, but I want you to hear it all. For now, let's hear this segment about a very important question about the future of school. So the next question is actually a, a really great one from, uh, from Matt Gillikin, um, and he's asking, what are some of the criteria that, uh, that you and I think need to be met before Virginia reopens public schools in the fall? And, um, and really great question, Matt. And so just to take a first stab at it, I think that, you know, it begins with just understanding the prevalence of the disease in our community, right? You know, if we're not at a place where we really understand what the numbers mean, right now we're, we're doing largely just symptomatic testing in most of the, the counties, the 133 counties and cities here across the Commonwealth. And so until we're in a place where we can, where we can speak uh, knowledgeably about the prevalence of disease in our community, we really don't have much uh, awareness of kind of the, the risk to you youth being in a space where they're interacting with one another, and also the youth to the teachers, the school administrators, and to the community more broadly. So I think that really understanding the prevalence of disease is going to be an important one. I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who don't believe that it's going to be a matter of reopening the schools in the fall, and I think they're waiting to see what, you know, what we would need to have in place. Um, some people would say they'd love to wait for a vaccine, but I don't know if we'll have that luxury. So I think that first it's going to be making sure that we've got the testing capacity for the counties and the cities at large so that we can understand the prevalence of disease. From a criteria standpoint, Dr. Bell already mentioned, you know, being less than 10% of the, of the population is a sine qua non. We absolutely have to be below that threshold to even consider it. Uh, but I think even beyond that, it's about making sure that we have the resources from both a healthcare standpoint, should there be a surge in cases, and also from a protective equipment standpoint. It's going to be the ability to reframe our schools, right? Because they're not built to be socially distanced. And even when you put people back into common spaces, you're going to have to think about, well, how can we make sure our classrooms are designed so that, you know, our youth are around each other and 
a way that's still safe. Uh, and that's going to be a hard thing to design. And I know there are already some people think, thinking about and working on that, but really, uh, really another important component. And then the last thing I'll say is having really hard metrics for what it would look like to pull back. Because remember, we're anticipating that there may be a second peak in the fall. And so what it would look like to then close schools uh, again, what are our, our metrics for that? And so making sure we all have, have all of that in place on the front end um, before we head into the conversations about uh, actually getting youth back in schools. But Dr. Bell, anything else that you can think of? Yeah, the only other thing I would add is that I, I want to understand a little bit more about these children that are getting sick from the virus. Um, I did a little bit of digging just to see, you know, was this something that was reported um, back when the virus originated in China um, at the end of last year? And it really wasn't something that was reported that much. Uh, one thing that we've established, and this was in a, a Nature paper, I believe, um, that the virus does mutate at a certain rate. So um, you can actually track over time and kind of geoplot where the virus is and age um, kind of when an outbreak in a certain area started based on the different mutations and mapping them back to the original strain. So that's how they were able to determine in Washington State by the time they found their first few cases, they could tell that it had been circulating for many weeks before when they actually picked it up because it match um, an earlier dated strain of the virus. Um, so um, what I'm wondering, and you know, this is something that I'm just putting out there because these are my thoughts and we need to um, you know, do more research into it. Is there something different about this strain of virus that we're seeing now compared to the one that we saw in China, such that it's become very different how children handle the infection? Uh, so if that's the case, then we have to think a little bit more carefully about A, aggressively testing children and making sure that we have even more enhanced guidelines around social distancing and testing metrics and being able to pull back if we need to. Um, imagine being six or eight years old and being in a classroom being told you have to stay six feet away from everyone. Don't touch anyone, wash your hands for 20 seconds at a time, um, impossible. Um, so uh, I think the, the news of children getting sick from this fundamentally changes the discussion, at least in my mind. I think there's some more information I need to understand about the virus and how it affects children before we can say, you know, we can put, you know, millions of children back into close proximity with each other who are not going to listen to these social distancing guidelines. Right. And it's and it's not even just, I mean, yes, the risk to the children, I think that does change the dynamic. I completely agree with you. But I think it's also just the risk of children doing what children do with the coronavirus, which is passing it around in the community, right? And, and, and creating essentially a mechanism for the broad spread community, for the broad community spread of this disease. And so I think that's where, you know, yes, we have a lot more to learn. We're learning so much, like you said, every week feels like it's a year, but I mean, we, we just have so much to learn between now and then. And I would be cautious about, you know, creating those metrics or those, those kind of uh, benchmarks now in May um, for, for a disease where we're going to know a lot, a lot of different things about it by July uh, than we know now. I understand it's going to take some lead time to plan for the schools, but you know, we're, we're still very much still learning about this, so it's a, it's a tough one. That was Dr. Cameron Webb on a Facebook Live interview with Dr. Tyson Bell this past Monday. Both are doctors at the University of Virginia, and I recommend that you take a listen or take a view. I learned so much in their hour-long talk, and it reassures me that we have a lot of smart people working for our community health. I know we in this community don't always agree on everything, but I am producing this show to provide more opportunities for people to listen. 
This show is the Charlottesville Quarantine Report, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. We'll be back soon with more on these changing times and more on what the governor has to say later on today. Thank you for listening, and be safe out there.